You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy's in Houston joining us by phone. Aaron's here. I am here. World Series game one tonight. Astros and Nats. We're going to get to that and a lot of that. And we will also clearly go back to Sunday's slip and slide shutout. Tommy, um, at FedEx Field, or as you refer to it, Ghost Town uh, Field. Um, I, I did want to just real quickly mention the Monday night game last night, and I don't know how many of you watched it, but man, the Patriots are getting all sorts of run this morning for being one of the great defenses we've seen in modern NFL history. You know, they're allowing like six point six yards, six point six points per game, and their their numbers defensively, it's like two hundred and twenty three yards per game. They've been dominant defensively. I've heard comparisons this morning to the to, to the eighty five Bears to the 76 Steelers. Do you know who they've played in their first seven games? I mean, they haven't played one team that is good offensively. They played the Steelers with Roethlisberger playing with one arm on opening night. The Dolphins, the Jets twice, the Bills. By the way, the Jets once without Darnold. The Bills, who Josh Allen got hurt and they faced Blaine Gabbard. The Redskins, the Giants... And that's who they faced. I mean, are you kidding me? Like we're all, all we're going to compare them to the '85 Bears when they haven't played one team that is capable offensively of moving the football and scoring points. I think that's ridiculous. They're good, but it's way too early on New England's defense. I think. I might want to point out that of the quarterbacks who have faced New England, Colt McCoy has the second highest rating of any quarterback. Is that true? Yes. Right. Roethlisberger was first at 65-something. Colt is second at 61.5, well, I think. And that's all you need to know. Um, they yeah. are beating up on the little sisters of the poor, and they're having their way with them. Things are going to change for the Patriots here in the coming weeks. You know, they get the Browns this coming week, um, which, you know, they've struggled uh, offensively. And then they get the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Um, which will be one of the you know midseason heavyweight matchups in Baltimore on a Sunday night, November third. That'll be great. You know they still have games like you know on the road against Philly, Houston. They play the Chiefs at home. They play the Cowboys at home. There are games in which the Patriots can prove to be the eighty-five Bears, but not in their first seven games when they have literally played some of the worst offensive teams in the league, and a couple of them as bad as we've seen in recent years. So um, there's all of that. Uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I did watch some of the game last night. Um, and I impre- I'm impressed. I mean, they have 22 takeaways through seven games. You know, they're averaging over three takeaways a game. Um, that's a lot in the NFL. Uh, and they had five of them last night from Sam Darnold, who was terrible uh, in that game. Last night. All right, you're in Houston um, for the World Series. Uh, g- just give me the the scene and and what it's like to be at a World Series. You've been at many of them, but to be at one where you know the the team from the town that you're writing in is playing in it. Well, that's what makes it special. Uh, something I thought would never happen. I've covered ten World Series in in, in my time, and uh, when you're covering the World Series. For you know, and it's not your team. It's an easy gig, you know. I mean, you're just there. You write your columns. It's pretty easy. Uh, but like 
when you're covering, you know, the World Series for your team, everything gets magnified. And, uh, you know, the workload is harder, but uh, I think it's great. I just think it's, it's, it's fabulous to, to be able to, to, you know, I can't wait till game three, till you know, they come home to Washington. I argued in my column that uh, it will be the biggest sporting event the town has seen since the last time they hosted the World Series. <laughs> really? You think since well, 1933 we, we've had NFC championships in this city? Yes. We've had Stanley Cup final it. games. We've had yes. NBA championship, NBA finals games in this city. Um, what makes you think that the World Series is the biggest since 1933? Well, again, I, I, you said NFC championship games. I know, look, that, that three-week run in 82 of the Redskins, you know, winning three straight playoff games at home is probably the greatest three weeks in the history of D.C. sports. I get that. But in terms of an event, a magnified event uh, and stature, uh, I don't think the NFC Championship games hold up to the World Series. Uh, I certainly don't think the NBA Championships in 1978 hold up to that. And the Stanley Cup, while it was a lot of fun and drew a lot of interest, it's, it's not the World Series in terms of magnitude. I just think this will be the biggest thing, the biggest sporting event the town has, has played host to since uh, 1933. Uh, I know I know where you're coming from. It makes sense to me um, the way I, 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 was, I wasn't thinking I mean, about it. It can be with, argued. Well, uh, it definitely can be argued. I mean, you have only had in this city, in the four professional sports, an NBA Finals game, a Stanley Cup Finals game, and now a World Series game. So it's essentially comparing those three. You know, the NFC right. Championship game against the Cowboys and against the 49ers and against the Lions, you know, and against the Vikings. You had four of them, you know, during that period of, of Joe Gibbs. Um, all of them, you know, at home, he played in five of them, including the one the Meadowlands against the Giants that they lost, but the four of them at home were, you know, the, the comparable to the World Series is the Super Bowl. It's not the NFC Championship. Yes. Um, I'm trying right. to think of big championship fights here. None of them would match a World Series no. game. Um, yeah, I, I, you're you're probably right. We haven't had a Final yeah. Four here. We haven't had a college football championship here. You know, we haven't had any of that. So I'm going to be there, by the way, Friday night. I got tickets. Excellent. I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see that you'll be there because uh, it, it, it's again, it, it's going to be a moment to treasure. I yeah, mean, it'll be. It'll be a moment that, that, you know, people will talk about, whether good or bad, for decades. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. This will, this will be a new memory for uh, Washington sports fans. What kind of baseball town is Houston? Uh, I'd say a lot like Washington, D.C. You know, uh, a lot like Washington. The NFL rules here, even though they lost the football team here in the Oilers who right. moved to Tennessee. I think in 2000 or, or, or something like that. I forget when they moved. No, it was in the early, in late 90s when they moved. But uh, the Texans are still the, the, the top dog here because this is Texas and football rules in Texas. But uh, And the Rockets, you know, it, it's interesting. The Astros' postseason success over the years, remember they went to the World Series in 2000, uh, 2005 or 2005. 
2004, 2005, 2004, I think. No, 2005, they went to the World Series. So they've had some postseason Against the White success. Sox. That was against the White Sox, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've had some postseason success, and that automatically builds up a fan base and builds up a, a stature. Uh, you know, the Rockets had two NBA championships under uh, Akeem. Uh, uh, so uh, that makes uh, – the Rockets and – I'd say the Rockets and the Astros are probably on an even keel in this town. Sort of like, the, you know, like in L.A. with the Lakers and the Dodgers. Uh, but uh, the Astros are a big deal here because, oh, because again, uh, of, of, you know, this is their second World Series in three years. They've won over 100 games in the last three years. It's a big deal here in town. Um, we haven't talked at all about the World Series matchup, but I feel like I've asked this question to just about everybody over the last two days, but I'm going to ask it of you as well. Um are you surprised based on the matchup, especially the pitching rotation versus pitching rotation, which are, you know, is a heavyweight, you know, uh, pitching rotation matchup? I mean, you may have to go back to 2001, you know, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Mike Mussina, um, and, and, and that, that, that uh, Arizona Yankees series way back in the day, um, Andy Pettit, uh, to find, you know, a heavyweight pitching rotation matchup like this one. But are you surprised? that the Nats are as big an underdog as they are. I mean, this morning, Aaron, I, I, I went and looked. My site's back up to minus 235. And by the way, tonight, Garrett Cole is a minus 210, minus 215 favorite over Max Scherzer. I bet Max Scherzer's never pitched as a starting pitcher as a bigger underdog than tonight. I, I would bet that, that that's the case. But, Tommy, go ahead. Are you surprised that Houston's, you know, ex- by Vegas – uh, measures expected to win so easily? Well, I think the fact that they have the postseason experience that they do, again, this is their second World Series in three years. Uh, you know, they won over 100 games each of those years. Garrett Cole, while Max Scherzer is considered elite, Garrett Cole has been considered unhittable right. pretty much this year. Uh, so, I mean, he takes it to even the slimmest of another level, uh, even above Scherzer. But I think the postseason experience ha- has a lot to do with it uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, you know, what, what the odds are. i got to tell you, you know, just watching the two teams work out yesterday and being around the Astros for the first time, I don't have a good feeling about this series. <laughs> Why? Well, because, and look, at the... The, the whole let's have fun thing has served the Nationals well. You know, the Dave Dave Martinez is, I want them to go out and have fun. Let's just have fun. It, it's gotten them this far. But the Astros are here to take care of business. You know, I mean, they're here because they think this World Series is theirs. You know, they think they should have been to the World Series last year. I mean, and, and, and they act that way. They just, there's, you know... Uh, you know, A.J. Hinch talked about how mature his team is as opposed to how much fun his team is having. And I just have a sense that, uh, you know, the, 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 fun, the fun bus is, is going to hit a big roadblock here in Houston. I think the Astros think that, that, you know, they're going after what is rightfully theirs. And I still think the Nationals, 
you know, playing with found money ever since they, you know, they, they made the wild card considering the 19 and 31 start. I don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, against Houston. Do you think that there is an element of just glad to be here with the Nets? I don't know if it's that, because I don't know if it's that. I mean, they they, they don't say so. Uh, and they have a lot of veterans the Nets do. They're the oldest team in baseball, but uh, you know, not a lot of guys have been to the World Series. I just think, I just think the moment uh, if, you know, will overwhelm the Nationals maybe uh, far more than it would overwhelm the, the Astros. I don't know if it's glad to be here. There might be a sense of that. That might be part of it, because certainly the Astros aren't glad to be here. I mean, again, they, 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 you get none of that with Houston. So there's part of it. And I could be off. This is just a, this is just a, a mood uh, indicator, you know, just yeah. being around them. But, but, but those count. Look, I've always tell people I can walk through the locker room of a sports team and not talk to anyone, and in 10 minutes get a read on that team, uh, you know, that, that is usually pretty accurate. And the Astros wow. just seem like uh, they, they're just, this, is, this, is their, this is their business, winning World Series. Um, I don't know why we haven't taken advantage in the past of you being able to walk through a locker room and getting a feel for a team. I mean, this is valuable information that you should have been, you know, more adamant that that this has been, you know, uh, maybe a talent of yours to walk through a locker room, not talk to anybody, get a really good feel for the team, and then relay that information to me just in time to bet that night's game. I don't know why we haven't taken advantage of that. Um, We probably should in the future. I I I understand your reaction. Since you never walk through a locker room no. and get a feel for it, well, that's not I get true. That. The, the never would be would be an exaggeration, but um, no, I, go, I, I, I didn't say I, not ever did. I said never do. I never really do. No, it's not. You no. know, it's not. It's that. not part I, of the. It's not part of the job. Um, I don't cover this a team. Is a sensitive subject for you. I, I get that. No, I it's not. It's not sensitive at all. I mean, how many people that do what we what I do? Uh, are, are in the locker rooms every day. Very few. Um, not enough. Yeah, especially if you're doing more, doing the mornings. Um, but anyway, well, it, not enough in your opinion. I, I, I don't, I don't think it would help me one way or the other. I tend, I, I think I have more contacts with the football team in town than you do, and I'm never in their locker room. Okay. <laughs> so there how is that. How many players do you? How many players on the roster? Are you in contact with on a regular basis? Um, on the roster right now, not many. Okay. Yeah, not many. How many are that's, you in contact with every day? Not every day. How many? I'm how many are you in contact Park. with? I'm out at Redskins Park. I'm at every home game and some away games. I'm in that locker room. Let me ask you a serious question because this seems to be um, a bone you want to pick with me. Um, and you, no, you, you want. You're the one who wanted to. No, 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 you're no. The you're, you're the one that brought it. The smart, you're, you're, smart comment. you're the one that brought it up. No, I, I, I what I was saying is, is that you, I personally, I think you have always made too much out of that, which is fine. Um, and I think you believe that it would be much more valuable for me. But I would ask you, based on some of the the the, the takes, the opinions, the information that I've had over the years. 
do you think it's really hurt me not to be, you know, covering a team in addition to also doing a talk show? I I think you can't say what you haven't done. Well, I have done it before. I have done it before. I was a I was a beat reporter, and I worked in television for a while. So when I was a when when I was more on the beat, I covered several teams before I got my first talk show. I can't answer a question about what you have, what you don't do now, whether or not it's hurt you or not. That's that's a concept that can't be answered. Right. That's true. Um, maybe asked another way. Do you think? That my show has re- that it's been very obvious based on takes, based on information, based on news that I've had in the past that no one else has had. Do you think it's been a major impediment to be to to my performance as a talk show host? <laughs> oh my God, you you you're driving off a cliff here. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, okay, I, I think it would help you. I think it would help you. Yeah, I don't, actually. I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure that there are a couple of contacts that I have in a couple of the places that I wouldn't have if I were out there the every day. Of course you do. Well, the reason is, is then people wouldn't know who those contacts are um, in, in more... Uh, in in easier fashion. I don't even want to get into this anymore. I just want you from now on, since you're the locker room guy in town, I want you to give me more information on a day-to-day basis so that we can take advantage of that and we can, you know, we can pull our money or I will certainly pay you a fee for winners. When you win, I'll give you part of the winnings. Okay. 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 You're you're continuing to, to do this and it's really ridiculous. Ask every beat writer, who comes on your show, that question. No, I wouldn't ask every beat writer. I would never put them into that uh, uh, position. I know you, you're a friend of mine, and I would want to cut you in on the action. I wouldn't want to cut someone <laughs> else in on the action. <laughs> By the way, you know, Boz, um, I've enjoyed reading him. I, don't, I, I know that you, I think we talked about him the other day um, on the show, but he had something in his column this morning that I thought actually was interesting when it when it comes to comparing the two teams. If you go back to May 23rd, which was the, you know, the the many many times referred to low point of the season. They were 12 games below 500 at 19 and 31. If you take it from that point forward, the Astros and the Nats, and by the way the Nats were unhealthy at the time and then they started to get healthier with their better players coming back. The Nats actually have a better record than the Astros since that date. They've scored more runs than Houston scored, and they've got a much better run differential than Houston has. So it's one of those situations where if you're evaluating the teams, do you really care about what happened prior to May 23rd when the Nats were not healthy and didn't have key players? Or do you care about what they've been since getting everyone back? I would think it's the latter. I would think so, too. But in the World Series, over a seven-game series, just like in NBA uh, Finals, I think experience in those moments counts a lot. Uh, so uh, I think the fact that the Astros have been here before uh, weighs heavily over, over the Nationals. That's something that I would consider more than what they've done this season. Because you're right, since, the, since that... Uh, since that sweep against the, the match, the low point, uh, the team seemed evenly matched. 
Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about this too. I, I think that the number is what the number is in Vegas because of two things. One, which you've already referred to, the fact that Houston's been there, done that. And two, I think the layoff that the Nats have had between the sweep of the Cardinals and game one tonight um, is influencing the, the money line odds on this series. I think that there is history that says you have five, six days off between games in the postseason that you can lose momentum offensively. Well, there is history that says just that. You're right. It doesn't mean it'll happen this time, but you're right. I mean, the track record is that those teams do not fare well who have had the long layoff. Now, it's interesting that Dave Martinez said that they played a simulated game in the rain the same time, while well, at the same time, a couple miles down the road, the Redskins played a simulated game against the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> they did. And by the way, pro- the Nats may have had a slightly larger crowd, or at least had more people <laughs> there that were rooting for them. Um, yes. that's probably uh, that's probably true. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. You know, it was, um, it's been explained to me uh, several times during the course of the last few years about how analytics-driven Houston is. And this morning I had Al Galdi on the show. I had Zverluga on the show, <clears throat> you know, and, and asked him, you know, about the differences. And apparently the differences are stark in terms of Mike Rizzo having a scouting eye and a scouting personality versus you know, the way Houston's approached it. Does any of that stuff matter to you? And if so, you know, what does it mean? Well, it matters to me. Uh, It matters a lot. I mean, scouting can win these World Series sometimes, Uh, you know, based on a a scout that that picks up a certain thing about a team or a pitcher. Uh, One of the Cardinals beat writers is convinced that the – the advanced scouting the Nationals did on the Cardinals helped them significantly against the Cardinals' pitching staff. Uh, now the Astros, they don't use advanced scouts. They don't send a scout to scout the opponent they're playing in the postseason. They use all video and, and, and statistics to uh, make their determination. It's a better cost model for those teams. (laughs) They're not spending all that money on travel. But, yes, Yes. I mean, the Nats sent five scouts to see the opponent's series leading up to their next series, and the Astros don't send send any. Yeah. And now, again, the, the Astros system, however cold and stark it may be, has served them well over the past couple of years. Right. They've, they've done very well with it. Uh, but, I mean, I still, look, I'm still a big believer in, in the eye test. The Nationals have a, a strong analytics department, but when they make their decisions, it's just one more piece of information. It doesn't, it doesn't drive the decisions like the Dodgers and, and Dave Roberts with his bullpen decisions in Game 5. Those were coming from the front office analytics. Uh, not from the manager himself. The Nationals don't operate that way. They still operate uh, from an eye test, you know, uh, point of view. And I, I, I think that I, I still would go with that over video and statistics. But you can't argue with the Astros' success. Uh, it is a bit of a of a um, 
of a showdown, though, in many ways between the two philosophies. And you're right, the Nats have an analytics department, but, you know, Rizzo being a longtime scout, you know, sees things differently than than Houston does, and St. Louis does, and the Dodgers do, and Milwaukee does. So this would be, if the Nats pulled it off, sort of a win for um, the scouting fraternity, for the lack of a better description, right? Yes, I talked to a scout about this from another team, and uh, he said, you know, they're, they're kind of like uh, conflicted because they're obviously rooting for the Nationals, you know, because for, as you said, like a win for scouts. A lot of scouts are doing that, but they also don't like the Nationals because they're because they, they don't like the learners. They think the learners are are meddling owners who who have not who who get in the way of the national success. This is an industry wide attitude. I'm, I'm telling you about. This is why scouts, while they're embracing the Nationals, they're not warmly embracing the Nationals because of the reputation ownership has among the scouts in the industry. What's the biggest so, issue they've got with the learners? What's the biggest industry issue of the learners? Well, initially when the learners took over, and I don't think they do this anymore, they nickel and dime scouts on every little thing that they did when they were on road, because that's what the learners do. They, they pencil out every expense. Right. Uh, so... Uh, and I think that reputation, while I don't think they do that anymore, you know, it's the reputation they have among scouts in the business. That they, that they you know, nickel and dime guys who don't make a lot of money and who work hard on, on every little thing. So I think that's part of it. Um, all right, what's the key to this series for the Nats? I mean, obviously their starting pitching has to be really good. You don't want them to get to the bullpen you don't want him to get a, get get to a non-starter in the bullpen. By the way, what do you what did you make of Dave Martinez's answer to Zuckerman's question? It was something we talked about on the last podcast. The possibility, and he hasn't named the game three starter that he's going to use Patrick Corbin here. You know, in relief if he needs to, then start him in game four, and then have him potentially as a reliever in in games you know six and seven. What what, what do you make of all of that? Well, look at the the Astros hit left-handers pretty hard. So I don't think you're going to see uh, a lot of Patrick Corbin in relief. It could be just a situational thing. Uh, and they may be tempted to start Sanchez in Game 3. Look, I mean, based on the postseason performance so far, who's pitched better, Sanchez or Corbin? You know, with Sanchez taking a no-hitter yeah. into. And, and Sanchez, you know, could be difficult for this Houston lineup to deal with as, as, as a game three starter. Uh, but I think you're looking at Corbin as a left-hander out of the bullpen uh, for a situational thing more than like a two- or three-inning kind of sin like they may have used before uh, earlier in, in, in the postseason. Uh, I think the key for the Nationals is late-inning offense. Uh, I think you're right. It's, I mean, look, if they manage to get to, to, to Garrett Cole – and, and, and win game one, I think that that's a tremendous. That, that flips the table in terms of who has the upper hand in, the, in, this, in this series. I would think that if the Nationals somehow get the call, that that takes the wind out of the Astros' sail. But let's say they don't, and, and you, you, you get to the bullpen. That's where the Nationals have to make hay. They have to make, they have, to have that offense in the seventh and eighth innings 
uh, come through for them uh, and put uh, runs on the board to uh, to to score. I think that that's that's the key is late inning offense for the Nationals and then the bullpen uh, in return to keep the Astros off the board in those late innings. Yeah, I mean, look, that's where they, you know, in in their big games, especially elimination games, that's where they got their offense. That's where they got it against the yeah. Brewers. That's where they got it, yeah, got yeah. it against the Dodgers in Game Five, and and you know, even in the two, you know, near no, you know, no hitters, the Nats, you know, in Game One, um, got an early run. If if you recall, when when uh, when the Cardinals decided uh, with it, with an empty base not to walk Gomes to get to Sanchez, which in hindsight would have been the thing to do. I don't know if it, would, it, it you know in the moment if it made a lot of sense. And then obviously the runs that came later uh, in Game Two as well. Um, that that makes total sense to me. I mean, it's going to be hard to to generate much offense off of a guy that hasn't allowed anything. Like Cole's been yeah. so lights out great you know going he hasn't lost a start since may since late may um yeah but anyway um so i i mean i i i tend to you know the way i think about these things i don't think that vegas would make them the big favorite that they've made them and invite all of this you know nats action at plus 185 and plus 190 for the series if they didn't really have a strong feeling about the Astros, you know, winning this series. Um, that, that's a big number. It's a big comeback at plus one, 185 plus 190 um, for a best of seven. But if they do win the series, they win it because of what more than anything else? Uh, you know, uh, clutch situational hitting. Uh, runners in scoring position. Not leaving runners on base. Sometimes the Nationals tend to do that. Uh, they need to be able to get runners home and move them along. What's interesting is Dave Martinez uh, announced that uh, Howie Kendrick will be the DH right. in in Houston for games one and two, and then if they have to come back, uh, well, at least for game one he announced it. Uh, who's going to play second base then? I think it's going to be Brian Dozier. I, I, not not uh, as Drew Cabrera. Cabrera. Yeah. I think it'll be Dozier because I think they're going to value the defense of Dozier in what they see as a tight pitching matchup. Yeah, low scoring game. More than the offense of Cabrera. I think, uh, you know, so I, I, I think that, uh, that, that that's, going to, that's going to be interesting. I what? think if they were going for offense, they would just keep Howie at second and use Cabrera as the DH. But I think you're going to see Brian Dozier at second, because I think the defense is going to be very important in a series like is this. Is Cabrera a worse second baseman than Kendrick? Well, I mean, Kendrick, uh, it's hard. I mean, you can't really say he is, because Kendrick had those three errors so far. In, in, yeah, so I mean, maybe season. I think Kendrick's going to be the DH in all four of these road games, if you get four road games. Yeah, Cab- I think he probably will. And and the Dozier thing makes sense tonight, and maybe even tomorrow night with the pitching matchups. Although Cabrera has really hit Verlander well, um, he's twenty one for seventy six lifetime with three home runs against Verlander. So you yeah, may, that may come into play. Yeah, you may get Dozier tonight and Cabrera tomorrow night based on um, their numbers. Neither one of them's done very well against Garrett Cole in limited plate appearances. I mean, Dozier's only faced Cole twice. Um, and he was one for two, so there you go. Um, all right, uh, your prediction on the series is what? 
I, I don't want to say it. Do I have to say it? Yeah. Yes, you do. Go ahead. Astros Tell me that you don't. Six. Astros, Astros and six. That's what I predicted on the radio show, and I don't. I I I had the Nats in the uh, in five over the Cardinals. I had them in five over the Dodgers. Uh, this is purely a a team that's been there and expects to win, like you said, against a team that's there for the first time, and the whole Vegas thing. I just don't think they'd have that big comeback number on the Nats if they thought the Nats really had you know, a legitimate shot to win it. What's interesting is, you know, I think media members really are giving the Nats a a legitimate shot. You know, I've seen on various websites, you know, where you got a bunch of reporters picking. I've seen people pick the Nats. It's not like everybody overwhelmingly is picking um, the Astros, although uh, ESPN just put out their picks, and I literally just pulled it up for the first time since, um, because I was looking to see, uh, and basically, the out of 29 picks from ESPN, so-called baseball experts, 22 have got the 22 picked the Astros, seven picked the Nationals, um, but the most votes were the Astros in six, so a longer series. I think most people do th- see a longer series between these two teams. Yeah, and I might want to point out. I picked the Nationals to lose against the Dodgers. I picked the Nationals to lose against the Cardinals. So, you know, I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll keep that streak going. Right. Uh, just text me tonight from the locker room to let me know, you know, sort of what the feel is so we can, you know, take it one game at a time. Because if, if you think the Nats are loose and ready to go and, and, and Houston's a little bit tight and you've got to – you got a strong feeling. I mean, we we could make a lot of money on the Nats if they win tonight with with Scherzer. They're getting a big number on the comeback. You know, you need to put some bomb on that sword that you have. <laughs> you, gotta, you, you need you need to, to put some kind of lotion on that sword of uh, yours. I am. Um, neither one of us is feeling very well today. Um, uh, but we're 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 trudging through it uh, today. Um, I'm surprised you actually went. Uh, you you skipped the St. Louis series because you didn't want to be around all these young people and get sick again. And you were coughing up a lung before the show started. But you've been pretty good since. Um, so that's good news. Hopefully you're feeling better. Uh, real quick word about mybookie.ag. If you want to bet the game tonight and you don't have a place to bet it or you want to bet the series tonight, go to mybookie.ag. We've done all the work. They're reliable. They they pay out fast. They've got great lines. They've got fair fees and vigs. They've got plenty of ways to bet. Um, Mybookie.ag, if you don't have a guy, if you don't have a site, um, this one is one of the biggest and one of the best. And if you go to mybookie.ag and you use my promo code, KevinDC, they'll double your first deposit. You've got to use my promo code, Kevin DC, but they'll double your first deposit. Go to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, all right, were um, were the Redskins um, legitimately in that game Sunday against the 49ers in your view? Um, did they have a chance to win on Sunday or not? Well, yeah, they did. They had a chance to win. I mean... They they were they had a couple of scoring opportunities that they messed up. Uh, I, look, it didn't feel like they had a chance to win ever being there. You never felt like they had a chance to win, but you can't say they didn't. I I, I don't think they they 
they had opportunities. I mean, the 49ers weren't exactly lighting it up. But who, look, Kevin, who cares about the game? The game means nothing. This was all about Kyle Shanahan. This was all about Kyle Shanahan. That's the only story to come out of Sunday. <laughs> the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, by the way, heard from some of those people uh, after the game. Um, it was actually very funny, and I'll share that with you at another point. But I uh, so, and I said this on the show yesterday. The macro view of the organization wasn't going to change one way or the other on Sunday. It's not going to change this Thursday night either, even though there's a big storyline, the Kirk storyline, the the Case Keenum right. and, and Adrian Peterson storylines for, for Minnesota fans. Um, they are in utter disrepair. Uh, they are f- in free fall, and it's as bad as it's been. Um, and, you know, it, I, I, I actually believe that a lot of people in the organization understand how bad it is, except for two people, um, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, seem to be, you know, basically in a room together, you know, with their jerseys on and their own names on the back <laughs> of the jerseys, convincing each other that Alex Smith's broken leg was the difference between a, a reigning Super Bowl champion position right now and one in six um, and everybody being down on the team. But at the same time, you can watch Sunday's game and realize, you know, they, they actually, they didn't play poorly. You know, it's hard to say that when they don't score, but there were weather conditions like, you know, we haven't seen in the NFL in a long time. Really is amazing they can't get that field right. You know, 95% of college and NFL fields would have drained and you wouldn't have had puddled up water on the field and you wouldn't have had that mud and you would have had a different situation even with the rain they got. And they got, you know, over an inch of rain before the game and during the game. And that's a lot of rain during the course of it. But, but you've got situations now with the technology in stadiums and on fields. And, you know, obviously that's a grass field, not a turf field, which is going to make a little bit of a difference in terms of what the effects are going to be. But, God, was that a dreadful field. I enjoyed watching it, by the way. Um, But anyway, I did think that they actually not only played well, but I really thought, you know, up until – you know, up until the 49ers got on, got into Redskins territory up 6 nothing with about four minutes to go, that was when I pretty much gave up hope of the Redskins winning it. But I actually thought for much of the game that the Redskins, that it was a 50-50 coin flip on who was going to win the game. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, they, they had opportunities. They did not play poorly in some areas of the game. I think, I think they surprised a lot of people. Uh, with the fact that I think everyone expected a 35 nothing blowout. It didn't turn out to be that way. But uh, the Kyle Shanahan thing to me was so great. All right, so what was I the mean, best part of the Kyle Shanahan thing? Cause he... Well, you know, in, in, in the uh, post-game press conference, right. after everybody asked about things that happened in the game, and I let all the reporters get their questions about what didn't matter much out of the way, uh, I asked. I was the one who asked Kyle, basically, if this game meant more to him because of you know of the history here uh, with his family, and uh, that's when he gave the answer about basically he said yeah, you know I mean basically he said you know if, if what things that happen to your family members of course 
it, it's going to mean more. And when he answered it, Kevin, he answered it with a smile on his face. I was watching. And again, this is it was almost like he was waiting for somebody to ask him so he could get that out. He wanted to answer that question. He wanted to say that. Uh, and and I, I wrote a column about that. Basically, my column had nothing to do with the game, all about Kyle Shanahan and the so-called revenge factor and his family honor. And the reaction I got from people was, was stunning. I, I really am wondering at this point, who is more hated among Redskins fans, Bruce Allen or Kyle Shanahan? It might be a toss-up. Oh, no, it's Bruce Allen by far. Okay. Oh, it's Bruce I, Allen I mean, by I've far. Re- I, I've never gotten the kind of, 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 of negative reaction about someone. I mean, I've written about Bruce Allen numerous times. Nothing came close to the reaction I got about, you know, the Kyle Shanahan. Comp. What was the reaction? I mean, what was the reaction you got? That, they, that oh, people they, just they hate, hate him? him? Oh, hate him. I mean, hate him with a passion. I mean, hate him. You know, are these listen? Are these are these your fans that read you or listen to you, or are these other media members? No, these are these are the fans. Yeah, these, these are, these are I, fans. These are followers and fans. I've gotten a lot of that too. It's actually would be an interesting Twitter poll. You know, who do you hate more, Kyle Shanahan or Bruce Allen? I think Bruce Allen would win that because you're you're getting all. Look, I'm not suggesting that that the fans like Kyle Shanahan. They dislike him too. But we were doing a comparative. They they detest Bruce Allen and they they blame Bruce Allen for the position that their favorite team is in, and they blame Dan Snyder as well. Um, you know. The, look, you know I was a big supporter of Mike Shanahan and of Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff that they had, and I, 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 you know, I used to do that thing where I would say, "Go ahead, rip them for their record, rip them for everything. Go out, go out in Sundays and miss the games and go antiquing as the rest of us sweat this thing out because it's going to turn around." Of course, I didn't give enough consideration to the fact that the owner wouldn't let it turn around. You know, there was a massive crippling salary cap penalty that really did hurt the organization and would have hurt any coach that was there. But there is no doubt that the most talented coaching staff that has been in that building during the Dan Snyder era was the the 2012 uh, the 2010 2011 2012 2013 staff no matter what their final record was that staff had real football people on it real football coaches real leadership you know a real understanding of how to do it and it's playing out all over the league with LaFleur and McVay and and Kyle now um but people couldn't stand you know the Shanahans and there was certainly probably um, a an inappropriate way in which they handled their exit. At the same time, they were just as pissed as maybe Dan was, you know, about them. I mean, they had an owner that they worked for that sabotaged an entire season because the quarterback wouldn't listen to their coaches. He would only go to the owner when he had a problem, and the owner empowered him. I mean, you know, you've said it a million times. It doesn't matter who it is. When you leave here, it's not pretty. You know, it's not a – they don't like Zorn. They don't like Gruden. They don't like McLuhan. They don't like the Shanahans. Um, 
you know, Kyle was arrogant. You know, I've I've had conversations with Kyle over the years. He is he's got all the answers, Tommy. And if you're not sure, just oh, ask him. You know, I know he's smug. He's smug and he's arrogant, and and that that even came across on Sunday with his answer. He knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah, and he I mean, he rubbed know? them the wrong way, but it, but he was yeah. also a hell of a football coach, and still yes, is. Yes, he was. Yes, a- 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 absolutely. I mean, if smug and arrogant are uh, are negative attributes, then put Bill Belichick in a negative Hall of Fame. Exactly. I mean, you, know? you, you know, it it sort sort of takes one to know one with with Snyder, Bruce, and and Mike and Kyle. You know, the the funny yeah. thing I may have told you this um, a, a few weeks ago. I called Mike. It was not on the air um, when 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 they lost their left tackle, and there was the report that the Redskins would never deal with Kyle Shanahan in a trade, and we've heard that before. You know, with Kirk Cousins. And I just called Mike and I said, what is it? What did you guys, and I said, what did you guys do to them? Like, how how could an organization pass on big compensation for players that don't want to play for them or that they don't want? How can you not deal with another team in the NFL that really wants one of your players and is willing to pay, uh, you know, a fair or maybe even a high price for one? I'm like, what did you do to them? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know why they have so much, so much hatred for us. But he did give me a clue. And the clue was that it's probably more about Kyle than it is about Mike. That Kyle's (laughs) very direct. He doesn't beat around the bush. He was young. He was good. He, by the way, came from a situation without his father where he had performed in Houston you know, there was probably the the unintelligent view from the owner and the and the team president, who wasn't the team president at the time, that he was only there because he was his father's son, which was bullshit. He was qualified for the job, uh, for sure, because of what he had done in Houston. And he just didn't give a shit what they thought and made it very clear, I think, many times over. You guys love this guy, Griffin? Then leave him to us. Stay out of the way. We'll handle it. We know what we're doing. You don't. And I think there was probably a lot of that which, you know, basically turned them off. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're you're 100% right right about all that. But, if you know, the thing is, though, if that doesn't turn them off, something else will turn them off. True. You know? Great point. Gruden was the opposite. Yes. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's a great point. In that position. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, just find another human being that 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 they can abuse and they'll do it, you know. So I mean that's that's just that's I mean I I just thought the whole Kyle Shanahan backdrop was the only thing worth paying attention to uh, on, on Sunday because it was a dismal game under dismal conditions in a dismal stadium with dismal forty nine forty nine er fans. I know forty nine er fans. <laughs> they exist everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. It was, you know, it was kind of hard to get a read initially because everyone had raincoats on and ponchos, so you couldn't see the jerseys per se. But every time the 49ers did something that was good, you heard a roar from the crowd. You know, you just said something though that I want to go back to. <clears throat> you know that it, it it hasn't worked with anybody, and you know it's um 
you know, there's no doubt that with Dan anyway, there is probably a lot of insecurity at work here over a long period of time, which is why he's uncomfortable with smarter, more qualified people. You know, you see that all the time in life. You see it in business. You know, the best businesses are the the leaders in the business recognizing that they want to hire people who are smarter than them, that are expert, more expert than they are. Um, and you, but to do that, you really have to have a lot of confidence in yourself. You have to also have a lot of self awareness. You know, like this isn't my area of expertise, and I'm fine with having somebody that's just much better and much smarter at doing that than than I am able to do it. And that's been, you know. That's also been one of those root causes of the issue. It all stems, you know, it all goes back to the owner. But it's like one of those things where, you know, having guys like Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan and, you know, young people who were super smart like McVeigh and LaFleur and others, you know, and by the way, then on top of that, having some of those people, you know, be young and full of themselves. That doesn't work with somebody like Dan, who's probably, you know, looking for somebody who's good, but also reveres him and will answer to him. Yeah. Well, that philosophy of uh, hiring people who are smarter than you, that certainly explains why you have me on the podcast. (laughs) Well, no doubt. Uh, I I have had no problem with that over the years. I you know that I enjoy having a co-host that can you know that can actually you know conjugate verbs and complete a, a cogent thought. And you you I mean you you barely qualify, but you do qualify. Although I would say that your grammar isn't always top shelf for a guy who writes for a living. But other than that, I, I, I've enjoyed you over the years. Um, but be careful because, you know, some of the conversations we've had today could lead to a parting of our relationship. <laughs> yeah, I could see how you could be insecure a little bit over, over the conversation we've had today. Uh, Look, I, let me ask you a question about yeah. uh, the, quarter, the quarterback. What's going on? with Dwayne Haskins. It's all very confusing, and let me explain why. Uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, Joe Theismann uh, called, uh, actually, our radio show, the radio show that me and Andy hosted on 106.7 The Fan on Saturday morning while he was listening, called the show and talked about how he wanted to see Dwayne Haskins sit for the whole year right. and basically learn. Clinton Portis, in interviews, did the same thing with me like within a week yeah yeah with like what a week later or something like that uh and these are both people who are close to dan snyder who 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 who, who, you know have dan snyder's ear and stuff like that uh chris thompson on 1067 the fan a couple of days ago he basically said the same thing he said he'd like to see him sit for a year and learn wait a minute wait a minute chris chris thompson said that Yes, on, in an interview with Chad on 106.7 The Fan. Now, he also said... When did that he say that? ...out there a couple of days ago, maybe two days ago, or yesterday. I'm not sure. Now, he also said that he thinks if they put him out there, he'd be able to play. But he did initially say that uh, he thought that that would what be... What were the, the reasons? Place. Why did he, why did I, he I, believe I, that? I didn't, hear, I didn't hear the whole interview. I just, I just know the excerpt. Hmm. My point is... My point is... 
And, and, and Bill Callahan is still not starting the kid at, at quarterback when clearly he would do anything that the owner wants him to do. So that means he's not getting any pushback from the owner about starting this court, starting Dwayne Haskins, which means that the owner does not want to start Dwayne Haskins right now at this point. Why is that? Well, first of all, I don't necessarily agree with you. I think the owner might want Haskins to start right now, but if Bruce doesn't want Haskins to start and Bruce can sell Dan on the reasons why he shouldn't start right now, that may be a reason why he is backed off. Um, there are a couple of reasons. Why doesn't Bruce, so, so, why doesn't so Bruce me, want him to start? Right, so there, there are a couple of possibilities here. Number one is that he hasn't started yet, and he's not starting Thursday night, because they legitimately have thought that they were close. That going into the 49er game, they were two games out of first, and they're back there, you know, talking up, you know, we get this one, and we're right in the thick of it, we're right back into it, and then we can go to Thursday night and, and beat Cousins, and look at that, we've beaten Kyle and Cousins, and all of a sudden, we're 3-5 and five at the halfway mark. You know, I do believe that there has been some incredible detachment from reality out there. There has been since going going back to last year. We still hear Bruce talk about Alex Smith and and how close they were. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, and now that we get to the point where you know they are going to be mathematically eliminated at some point here in the next few weeks at one and nine or one and ten, you know. If he's still not playing, that it's a major. Personally, I think it's already an indictment, you know, because of the quarterback play. You know, if if Case Keenum had started off playing well and they were three and four or four and three, we all said that in training camp. Okay, but we also said in training camp, or I did at least, if you get to one and four or one and five or one and six, and the quarterback play isn't very good and he's not playing, that's a major indictment on on the on on the, where he was drafted and what he's going to be. And so I think we're getting close to that. Uh, I don't know why he's not starting. He should be starting. I think the reason uh, up until now is that they legitimately thought they could get back into this race with a veteran quarterback who knows the system, who gives them the whole playbook available. But now that they are clearly out of it, I would think, um, then you know I don't know what the answers are. I mean – is it short week for Minnesota? Okay, then you got a longer prep. Is it is Buffalo too tough because they're really good defensively? And then are the Jets? Well, Greg Williams is going to tear up a rookie quarterback. I mean, when will the excuses stop? At some point, we will all come to the conclusion that he's just not very good, and they all know it. And it was a major mistake. What if the owner and Bruce have already come to that conclusion? I mean, what, what if they don't no want to chance. put him out there? No chance. What if they don't want to put him out there for fear that they don't want they don't want to see? Look, this is what Clinton said. Uh, you know, when he talks about not playing, uh, putting him in situations where he would fail dramatically and turn the fan base against him too, yeah. as well. Yeah. And maybe that's what the owner and Bruce are worried well, about. Well, they're stupid. They're, they're, they're stupid to think that. Oh, I, know I, I told Clinton that. I told Clinton that. I talked. I told Smoot that. I told Springs that. All of them have said the same thing, and I've called bullshit on all of it. And I've said you guys are wrong. The fan base. Well, first of all, 
we're not even talking about a, much of a fan base that's left, but those that are I still know. tuned in and then will tune back in if Haskins gets a start, they're not going to hold him to a super high standard. They're going to understand that he's a rookie and that he's going to throw picks and he's going to lose games, but they want to see him. They want to see if there's anything to the 15th overall selection, and you can't see that unless he plays. I totally totally dis, uh, disagree with the notion that like media and fans are going to turn on Haskins after a couple of losses and bad performances. I don't know. It's almost like they're afraid to see him out there, but I've told Clinton that I've told all of them that, that have come on my show and said that, that I think it's a ridiculous notion that they're wrong. That, you know, yeah, people turn on coaches after a few years. People turn on veteran players after a few games. People understand, as NFL fans, what rookie quarterbacks go through and that you got to give them time. I think that. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I agree with them. With this fan base, I think it's too damaged to think rationally and, and to show any kind of reasonable patience with a quarterback. I think whoever is out there throwing interceptions – it's going to face their wrath. I, th- I just think that they, they, do- they don't have any room left anymore for reasonable patience, even with a rookie quarterback. I th- I, and I think they're right. I think, I think you'll, see, you'll see people starting to wear number seven Theismann jerseys again instead of number seven uh, Haskins jerseys. I, I think they got a point. I think it would happen. All right, so we di- we disagree on that. I mean, I disagree vehemently. I just I would not see people turning on Haskins after a few starts in his rookie year. But my my question to you, if you really believe that, is well, then when the hell can you play him? I, I, I look. I agree. This is their problem. I mean, if 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 they've conc- I, I know you don't necessarily agree with this, but I think it's something to consider. I think it's a possibility that. Uh, that they that Bruce and Dan, or at least Bruce, thinks, well, you know, he's not very good yet. He's he's not that good. We can't put him out there. Uh, I I think that's a real, real possibility. I think they're hoping at some point, through enough reps in practice and enough sitting looking at games, that he'll get better. He'll get better enough to at least put him out there. What if um what if you know family uh, Haskins is essentially. You know, in Snyder's ear saying, you know, you don't have much of an offensive line. You don't have very good receivers except for Terry. You know, the defense is being torched much of the year. This season's going nowhere. Um, we, we would, you're going to replace the coach. Really makes sense not to play Dwayne this year and wait for the new coaching staff in 2020. What if they're, they're in his ear convincing him of, of that? I believe that that's a possibility. I don't know if it would work. Um, but it it wouldn't surprise me if Dan, you know, is all open to listening to what you know the Haskins family thinks or the people close to Dwayne think. You know that may be, and if that's the case, I give the Haskins family credit for 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 being smart enough to do that because most of the time you're going to have people who are close to a, a a young quarterback like this, you know, their son, their family member being convinced that if you just play him, everything will work out. Usually it's the opposite way. Usually family will lobby to have, to have you know, the kid on the field, not to keep him off. I think that's too rational a position uh, in this situation. I, th- I, think, I think family Haskins, if they, if they had an agenda here, it would be to get the Lion King on the field. 
Um, that's fine, and I'm all for families doing their best to protect their 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 kids, and and even when their kids are young adults. Um, uh, at the same time, if the organization is all ears to what Team Haskins thinks, then just add that to the list of reasons why they will never ever win anything. Um, and uh, you know, we know that that was a big part of the the RG three, you know. Uh, era here in D.C. But if Dan Snyder is listening to Team Haskins and taking, you know, uh, their thoughts into consideration, well, just, you know, add it to the long list of why they will never, ever win. No parents in an organization that I would be involved in running would ever Unless there was like real keen insight or insight into the type of personality the kid is. Like if somebody came up and said, you know, he actually uh, is terrified um, and doesn't want to admit it of confined spaces on airplanes. Uh, you're going to be better off if you, you know, if you put him on a team bus to get to away games. If, if it, other than that kind of, you know, insight that only a family member would know that might actually help the team. I'm not listening to anything a family member says or asks or suggests when it comes to football. Nothing. My I agree. God. I mean, I, I am. Uh, by the way, just the fact that we can have this conversation and not dismiss it immediately tells you all you need to know about Dan Bruce and this pathetic excuse for an NFL franchise. Just the fact that we wow. can actually sit here and have a, a, a serious conversation as if it's a possibility. And, and it be, because you know why, Tommy? It's not unjustifiable for us to have uh, this conversation. I mean, it's totally justifiable for us to have this conversation based on the people we're talking about in their histories. Right. I mean, look, it, uh, you are what your track record indicates, and they have a track record of doing this previously with, with, with RG3. I mean, you can't just, you can't just like, I always say this to people, what, you want me to take a stupid pill before I come on to talk about the Redskins and forget everything that's happened before? You can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't. Um, we'll spend more time on Thursday talking about the Cousins um, game. Um He's on a roll right now. <laughs> I just yeah, love, he is. I, I I just love the back and forth with fans. You know, there are people that love Kirk and think the Redskins made a huge mistake, like me, and then there are people that can't stand him. And it, it it's another one of those reasons that it's fun to do what we do because those conversations are entertaining, especially in the midst of a shitty season. You know, a a a, a lost season at one and six. Um, you know, pro football, pro football talk floated Kirk as one of the MVP candidates. Oh, God. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to – look, here's the problem with him. I actually, before the season started, if you recall, I did not have a good feeling about the Vikings or Kirk this year. I thought that the you know offensive philosophy was going to be wrong for him. I thought they had problems along their offensive line potentially, and I could just tell by the way he answered a lot of questions in the offseason that he wasn't coming into this season very confident. What shifted and what changed three weeks ago was Thielen and Diggs getting massively upset over the play calling, not Kirk's performance. We saw a lot of the reporting initially say that they were really upset with Cousins, and then 
the Sunday before they played the Giants th- two two weeks ago now, um, all the reporting came out that said actually Diggs and Thielen were really upset because Mike Zimmer was essentially telling Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak and company, uh, we're running Dalvin Cook against a wall a hundred times if we have to. That's our offense. Well, now they've had a, a change of heart. They're They're throwing a lot of play action, early down play action. they become one of the bigger play action teams in the last three weeks where they weren't before, and we see the results. Um, now, they don't have Thielen for uh, at least, I think, Thursday night, maybe beyond. Um, but they also haven't played any great defensive teams. Detroit's pretty decent defensively, but not great. And Kirk has struggled when they have um, uh, opponents like Chicago with Khalil Mack. Like, that's been a real problem not just for Minnesota, but for a lot of teams um, with Khalil. Yeah. But I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to get to a, 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 another Redskins-related subject because, you know, there was another report over the weekend from Mike Garofolo that, that Bruce isn't going to trade Trent Williams. And so I, I'm not expecting any trades here before the trade deadline that's upcoming. But, man, if it were me, I would be in major sell mode right now if I were the Redskins. I would be looking, obviously, to deal Trent Williams. I would be looking to deal Ryan Kerrigan. Mohamed Sanu just, you know, got uh, got Atlanta a second round pick from the Patriots. I understand that's a late second round pick, you know, a very late, but still a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. I think the Redskins could get maybe something approaching a second rounder for Ryan Kerrigan, you know, and then you've got a guy like Brandon Sheriff who clearly at this point has not made staying a priority, so you're going to be forced to franchise him. I think you could get something close to a second or maybe you know a package of a second and a fourth or a second and a third for Sheriff. I'd be in major sell mode. Paul Richardson, Josh Norman, if, any, if a zone team wants him, um, I, 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 they won't be, Tommy. They should be. This is the time where you can really get people to overpay a little bit, you know, right before the trade deadline. And next year's draft is very good, according to most. And the Redskins could really do, you know, well by themselves to accumulate additional picks for next year's draft and beyond. They won't do it. They should be doing it. I agree. I agree a hundred percent with both of those uh, uh, premises. They should be doing it, but they won't do it. Yeah, they just won't. They they won't. Um, they are stuck on a lot of things. Um, they're just not. It's such a it's a bad situation out there. With that said, uh, Thursday night they got a, an opportunity to. I look part. Remember early in the season when the Redskins were zero and three. And I think you said this to me on the podcast. I think it was you. Somebody said it to me that at least Kirk's not lighting it up, you know, like that. Because still, I think in many ways, you know, Bruce Allen was going to be judged on the handling of Kirk Cousins. He should be judged on so much more than just that. But that was a blown opportunity to get him for a good cost and then a blown opportunity not to trade him for a first-round pick. Um but you know what we're seeing with Trent Williams is another one of those you know mo- you know moments where, that are literally fireable offenses because ultimately if you don't get a big package back for Trent and you passed on one either during training camp or early in the season or right before the trade deadline it is organizational roster malpractice which we've seen now you know too many times um, from uh, Bruce Allen. Um, 
All right, what else did you have for me? I got nothing else, boss. Think the Patriots are great? Look, the Patriots are always great. What do you think of Lamar Jackson? I think he is. I think he's great, and I think they need to stop running him so much because I think he's going to get hurt. (laughs) Uh, I love Baltimore as a franchise. I don't love the Ravens. Don't get me wrong. But I really, really respect the hell out of them. Uh, they they figure out a way to get the best out of their players. And Lamar Jackson right now is an MVP candidate. And he is, when he's on the field, and I said this yesterday, one of the two or three best players, if not the best player on the field. Forget the position. He is one of the best players, if not the best, on the field when he's on it. I love it. Uh, by the way, I did want to mention one other thing um, that I just realized I didn't mention on the radio show this morning. I just went blank on it with all of the baseball and all of the other stuff. But uh, the preseason basketball rankings came out. Maryland is seventh preseason in the AP. Um, That's not good. It's not good. They don't handle too much pressure. They don't handle expectations well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot lot of pressure. Um. I don't know the the team that was ranked second preseason, the Diamond Stone team with Suleiman, you know, and 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 that group um, with Mello, you know, uh, back. I, that was that was a dysfunctional group, you know. You had Diamond Stone just looking to get to the NBA. You had Anthony Carter, you know, as a transfer looking to get to the next level. Suleiman coming in as a as sort of a a one year rental. Um, I, I that that team had a lot of talent and was ranked two preseason. Um, and never lived up to it, got to the Sweet 16, that was it. I actually really like their team this year, and I think Mark's going to do a good job with it. You know, Aaron's probably going to roll his eyes on that, um, but I think, you know, they've got a chance to be really good. Now, the Big Ten's really good. Michigan State's the preseason number one team. Maryland's preseason seven. Um, Purdue's going to be good. Ohio State's going to be good. Um, it's possible that you know you still in in uh, Jawan Howard's first year, Michigan could still be a decent team. Um, but uh, I'm excited uh, uh, about Maryland with the expectations. Oh, I'm excited about it. I'm, ex- I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them play, and I like some of the players on their team, you know, that are coming back from last year. But uh, I just I, I just don't I just I'm not sure if if, if Turgeon's teams are built for. For high expectations. Yeah, we'll see. Um, hopefully, yeah. they'll uh, they'll have a good year, and it starts. I mean, it's here before we know it. I mean, I think they start uh, in two weeks, right, Aaron? I think their their first game is like the fifth against Holy Cross. So that would be yeah. next next week. Not next. No, week. not next week. About two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Almost two weeks, I think. Um, exactly. Uh, all right, um, I'm done. Did we forget anything, Aaron? I'm. I don't, I don't think, think we did. so. Uh, I didn't do coaching blunders today. Um, maybe I'll try to do it tomorrow. We'll have a bunch of World Series follow-up as well. I'm trying to get Cooley on this week. He's been busy, um, but I think we'll have him on this week as well. Uh, don't forget the app is available. Rate us, review us on that. Rate us and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. That helps. Really appreciate all of the support on the podcast. It's been great. Um and don't forget, I'm, I'm on radio uh, in the mornings as well, 7 to 10, on the Team 980 and also on 95.9 FM. And, Tommy, what do, you, what do you want to plug today? Well, let me just remind everybody, I'm on the radio with Nick Ashew Saturday mornings 
from 9 to 12 on 106.7 The Fan. And you could read my column in the WashingtonTimes.com. Click on WashingtonTimes.com slash sports. There you go. All right. Uh, have a great day. Enjoy the World Series, everybody. Can't wait for tonight. Back tomorrow to discuss. Thanks, Tommy. Enjoy it.